pay-per-view. Call your cable or satellite company to order now. This is the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast with your host, the professor, Chao Bello Veracruz. Mr. Wonderful, Tommy Wonder, and I will take the powers of those that have no fear! And the prodigal one, JB, the queen, yeah, the queen of the crop. Now it's time to go back in time in the time machine. says I just whipped your ass to be the man you gotta beat the man Woo! look at this reflection as the throat hurts but not in a homoerotic way but the throat hurts because the hiatus is open huh you know the difference shut up but anyway (laughs) it's been so long it's been so long reflection as the hiatus is over the summer break is over you know what that means the new fall season of the pwr podcast here at Hami media group here at the pwr networks at the youtubes Yes, everything has changed, you know, seasons change, the league colors, they change, you know, in a couple of months it's going to be the midterm elections, but we're not getting political here, we don't care about the, you know, the destruction of America, we don't care about the dead queen, we don't care about nothing, all we care about is doing the nostalgic stuff, all we care about is going back to the time machines to give you the 12, you know what, T.W., after this hiatus, is it 12 or is it 10? You know, how many have missed us? How many of the 12 will come back? Hopefully we get a good number, maybe nine. I've read zero complaining that we were gone, so I don't know. You know what? If we're doing this show just for you and me, then you know what? This is the You're the best audience. You're my number one fan, and I'm your num- number one fan. Right. But neither here nor there. But anyway, yes. for the... Hopefully, the 12 that are still loyal for the Dino Destructions, for the Green Pieces, for the, well, the Gooch has been very active on the Facebook fan page on the PWS's uh, 2 and Pro Wrestling Reflection Facebook fan page. For the Phyllis Scott Wood, he's loyal to the cause. For TN Kupana, the man on the YouTubes, he's loyal to the cause and you know who else you are. Phil Schmecknick's the SNX Express, Mike eight track black michael davis you know who you are the reflectionites the magnificent seven the elite eight the naughty nine the terrific ten the essential eleven the tubular twelve oh we're back the new fall season of the pro wrestling reflection the pwr podcast and i must introduce myself right because it's been a long time it's been the summer hiatus I don't know if I can do it. You know, I've been riding that bike, but I've fallen off. I needed training wheels, so let me let me try it now. <clears throat> I'm clearing the throat. <laughs> I am 
that oh-so-magnanimous man. I am that oh-so-studious man. I am that oh-so-stupendous man. But most importantly, let me see if I still got this, T.W. I am the oh-so-glorious man here on the IWC YWC. The most objective man in the IWC YWC punditry. Your friend of mine, the Professor Chubbaville Cruz. But I'm not here alone. And he is back. He has had he's had a great summer hiatus. He's been tanning on the the, the Michigan border beaches or whatever the case may be. He's been he's got he's got those breasts, you know, those tan breasts. He's got that. He's got that white tan breast. But neither here nor there. I'm not trying to say I'm stalking him. I got the drones. I'm stalking him. But anyway, wearing the Mountain Dew shirt. He is your friend of mine. The conservative liberal. The liberal conservative. Mr. Dum Dum Dura. And he had sung the Iron Stomach one. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. Tommy Wonder. TW, I've missed you, my friend. How are you doing? I'll tell you what. Even for only two days, camping whoops your ass. <laughs> I came home yesterday and slept. I came home today after getting my ass kicked at work first day back and slept. One of my daughters is six. I'd take her to the clinic. She's good now. But uh, I've been doing all right. A lot of stuff going on in the wrestling business. Though. But before I talk about anything, mm-hmm. for the five people that might still remain, for the people who hear me or see me on the page, and I argue with the Joe Joes, and all the, uh, I hate using the term AEW stands, but that's what they are, I guess. Uh, just so they know, when I say I want the AEW to succeed, I mean it. And here's my buddies to prove it. I even started opening AEW, guys. So it's no longer just buying them in case they got value and sell them. I bought another Hangman page. So I have two of these, one open, one in the package. I have every Hangman page figure they made, even though he's a piece of shit human being. I like the wrestler. Just like with Richard Marks, I separate the art from the artists. I got to bring up one thing about AEW, though. One thing. Okay. We don't have to talk about it for long, and this might shock the world. I'm going to ask you right now. You're going to set the table for it. Who okay. is my least favorite wrestler in the world? Uh, the man known as CM Punk. Yes. And guess whose side I'm on? CM Punk. <laughs> and you know why? The other day, a buddy of mine, Dennis Hogan, I've got him listen to the show. I've talked about him out here before. Off and on, he's tried listening. He's in L.A. His favorite wrestler in the world, and I bought that figure right there because of Dennis. Not a, do I have not I think I got I do. He's over in the AEW side, but i got to remove him. You see this reflection guy, on, on the YouTubes when he points, and you don't right see here, it. And oh, Mike, oh, he's going to show it. He's going to show it, right? Oh, there you go. Alistair Black. Malachi Black, yes. This guy released a statement about his release the other day. And okay. lost in it, lost in it because it's heavy on the mental health, getting the shit together. I get that, and I'm pulling for this man as a human being. But the very first paragraph, he sounds an awful lot like CM Punk. When he says he doesn't respect or like when his personal business and his personal conversations with people that were private get leaked to the internet and he doesn't like everyone knowing his business unless he's the one that put it out there and okay. uh, the immediate thought I had was well gee doesn't that sound familiar because that's what happens there because sadly it's run by juvenile delinquents and it's you know 
for lack of a better term, another term I hate using, but it's understood, so I use it. It's when people are marks for themselves that they sabotage other people because they're afraid they're going to lose their spot. I don't know how the fuck you lose your spot when you're EVP, but, and you know what? If they're not the ones doing it, Professor, then I'll be the first to apologize to them, but it sure seems like they're the ones doing it. And no, they're, the they're end, doing it. They're doing it. Don't worry about it. They're, they're, they're doing something. They're, there's a lot of politics. I don't know that it's Omega either, because I, th- I feel like Omega is more of the Cody Rhodes aspect where he just wants that company to flourish, right? I don't think he's even been around to be the one leaking shit, let alone, you know, he's gone for almost a year. Um, I'll, I'll say this for the 12. That's Hopefully that's still loyal. The elite cosplay the click. Nothing wrong with cosplaying the click of behind-the-scenes politics, but you know what? You damn if you do with playing politics backstage, and you damn if you don't. So, you know, karma hit, hit, They're hurting their own company. Yet. And who... Who debuted hotter? No one. CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Adam Cole all came out to huge reactions. They all came out to talk. This dude came out and buried Cody Rhodes every time they shared a ring. Mm -hmm. And where is he now? The guy has had a total of 20 matches somewhere in that area since he debuted before those guys or right around at the same time. And only six of them were singles. The rest he's hidden in these dumbass trios and tag team matches, or not at all. You don't it's see him at all. It's always about the booking, so that's what it is. You know, so we don't know. This is the guy in the pool. Remember the swimming pool for Impact Wrestling, where they show mm-hmm. the guy who was introduced three weeks ago drowning at the bottom of the pool. The guy who came last week is asking for help, but mommy's holding the new baby. This is the guy drowning in the bottom of the pool of all the new recruits of AEW, he came out like a shooting star, and then they just dropped the ball. Of course. You know, when you have about 200 people, some people are going to lay by the wayside. But you know what? Again, this is what I've missed about TW Reflectionites. He always wants to bring the AEW conversations. He always brings the present, and then I want to talk about the past. But you (laughs) know what? Well, I'll say this. The past and the present always merge on the PWR podcast because for the new fall season premiere here at the PWR podcast, at the PWR Network's on the YouTubes, TW, I picked a doozy. I'm not saying that this is an A-plus pay-per-view. No, 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 no. But it is apropos because a lot of, let's just say, it's the consistencies of the inconsistencies. And I'll try to explain it, T.W. What we're talking about is September of 1999, Reflection Nights, and we're going to go back to WCW, and we're going to talk about Fall Brawl from Winston-Salem. Is it North Carolina or South Kakalaki? But who, neither here nor there. It's Carolina, Winston-Salem. But, T.W., what you're talking about right now with the present, with CM Punk being mad at the elite, being mad at the Young Bucks, and all the politics backstage, and, you know, Malachi Black, you know, a little bit peeved, as he should be, with his private conversations becoming public for the fans to make their own uh, judgments and their own uh, conclusions, drawing their own conclusions. 1999 is a different spectrum. We'll talk about the pay-per-view. You know how, you know, for the 12. You know how we do. We ain't going to go, you know, match for match. We'll talk about some matches that we see. But, T.W., while you're wrestling 
on the Michigan circuit? Why are you going from Michigan, you know, from Detroit to Warren to uh, Ashland to Ontario, Canada, and all points in between? WCW was in shambles backstage. WCW's leadership was in shambles backstage. September of 1999, let's look at it from this standpoint. Eric Bischoff's power is waning down. Because I don't rem- I don't recall, I don't know if it's after this pay-per-view TW or before this pay-per-view, but Eric Bischoff has been sent home to, to Cody Wyoming. WCW brass or AOL Time Warner brass technically release Eric Bischoff of his duties. And I remember vividly in 1999, even the summer of 1999, the, the booking inconsistencies on, on Nitro and pay-per-views, TW, if you remember this. So I try to kind of abbreviate. Like during the summer of 1999, Reflection Nights, remember the, the drunk with power of Ric Flair as WCW president? Remember his vice president, Roddy Piper? Remember those old lion veterans trying to hold on to their spots and some young lions like Buff Bagwell was like peeved at the old guys holding on to their spots. And then funny enough, who takes the power away from Ric Flair but the man called Sting, who was actually an older fart than Buff Bagwell. But neither here nor there. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you a synopsis of the inconsistencies. Now, TW, we get to Fall Brawl 1999. It's hard to say if Kevin Sullivan, I know he's consistently a matchmaker. He's Horrible. the booker. I don't know if he's the lead booker because Vince Russo creeps into that booker role by October of 1999 around Halloween time. But he has his imprint is not here totally here yet. But you know you can you can smell it. You can smell the you know Kevin Sullivan can smell something in the air. But Kevin Sullivan is you know trudging along. He's doing what he can do as best as he can. Because you got three hours of Nitro on Mondays. You got two hours of Thunder, whether it's Wednesdays or Thursdays or Tuesdays, neither here nor there. But TW, talk about the inconsistencies that the wrestlers have to go through in 1999. And then we get to Fall Brawl. And we're going to talk about this clusterfuck of a pay-per-view. It's funny because, you, you know, I've said this a million times, but you've sent me stuff and we've watched shows that I am watching for the first time. And, and you know, we'll let them behind the fourth wall or the fourth microphone, whatever the hell it is for audio terms. Uh, you sent me a four-minute and 36-second tw- uh, highlight. Highlight. And basically, it was absolutely hard to watch because it was a music video with just shit that I really couldn't really – I could – I could gather who won, who lost, definitely who was on the show and all that. So, mm-hmm. in fairness to the five that listened, I thought, I, I at least got to um, talk about something in depth. And, and I'm not going to do that now. I'll wait till we you bring up the actual match. But there was one match that really caught my eye. It, it, it was ahead of its time, if you will, because uh, I'll hint at it. You'll probably know what I mean when I say the modern version of it was a couple years back. Higher stakes uh, than this match, but this match had stakes. But I really, really liked the clips of the video, and, and I kept thinking, man, I didn't even know this happened. But there was a match. I'm not going to say who's in it, but it's it's up there with Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar, where okay. nobody in the world going in thought that Daniel Bryan was going to beat Brock Lesnar, right? 
But every single person that watched that match thought, holy shit, Daniel Bryan's going to beat Brock Lesnar. It is an absolute fucking gem of a match, right? And I want to say there's an AJ Styles versus Brock match that's similar. Like, AJ didn't get killed. It was, mm-hmm. matter of fact, that was the Survivor Series. He won the belt from Jinder so that it was Brock versus AJ instead. I don't even and remember. Even, and why. even Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar. And I know which match you're talking about. <laughs> so on you're talking about Ben Wall versus Sid Vicious. Yes, I am. So mm-hmm. on paper, all three of those matches, everyone just, you know, jadingly would have been like, well, this is going to be a fucking quick match. And they weren't. And me, for me to get the goosebumps for Daniel Bryan, and I do remember AJ, I'm an AJ guy, man. AJ, Adam Cole, and Gargano on my three and Matt Riddle. Um, so I'm just thinking, fuck. They put the belt on him, but he's going to get killed. And he didn't. And, and even though he didn't win, it, it, look how many times Brock has lost since. So I don't think it's it's um, in the realm of impossibility for Brock to come back and, and put one of those guys, well, obviously not Daniel Bryan, but put over... Finn Balor, put over Daniel Bryan or whatever. The, the visual of David versus Goliath yeah. always sells in professional. But, but the visual is usually not the type of match that they had. And that Sid versus versus uh, Benoit is the diamond in the rough of this otherwise absolutely brutal storyline-wise. Like, there might have been storylines, but it is such, to answer your original question, a hodgepodgery of shit. The buff Bagwell not showing up, and then he does, and then you still don't know what the fuck is going on when it's done. So I'm watching all this just to kind of, like, get context of it. The the Nasty Boy and Hugh Morris versus uh, The Revolution. Uh, by the way, I have memories of The Revolution being a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's They're not. When I, when I watched the promo of Shane Douglas and, and Dean Malenko, which, God bless Dean, no one's ever accused him of being a good promo guy. But Shane is. And it just, I, I feel like when you watch it, they're phoning it in. So so it is apropos that we're talking about the current AEW situation and that situation. Because they don't, they're not around much longer as it is. Maybe, what, a year and a couple of months? And, uh, give or take two years tops. Well, this is fall of 2000 or 99, and they mm-hmm. end in like February of 01. So you're talking yeah. a year and four months, five months. Um, but mm-hmm. you can see that the fucking... What's it? The, the bloom is off the rose, right? Like, and and here's the big the big reveal. Do you remember the night after Rock versus Hulk in Toronto when mm-hmm. Hulk came out in the red and yellow? Yeah. No, he didn't come out initially. It took a couple of weeks. He came out in the black and white, well, but they, the the Canada fans right. cheered him for ten the next minutes. Day and they they yeah. whatever they propped him. But he came out. I thought that was the first time he wore the red and yellow since he fucking join the NWO. So when you're when you got me watching Sting versus Hogan 84 Hogan gear, I'm like, I had no fucking clue this happened. And he's trying to be a redeemed good guy. I'm like, holy shit, I must have really tapped out on wrestling in 99 cuz nothing. Looks he was heavily in 99. I know that. DDP I know he was doing. Goldberg, TDP's the bad guy. And Canyon and Bam Bam are helping him, and I'm just like what in bizarro hell is going on here? Because the, the 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 really the unsung hero we talked about before. I think we did a spotlight on DDP where he is probably one of the reasons that 83 weeks was what it was. Besides 
the NWO. He was the baby face, and he was the one that was everyone was behind. And so for him to not even three years later to be the heel screwing Goldberg, and I don't even know, I think he's still lost, but it, it's just, it's, it's like, what happened here? It's like everything they had that was good, when they lost one or two weeks in the ratings, they're like, fuck it, we got to blow up the whole shit house and flip it over and make everything opposite. And it, well, it, it, again, what was happening in 1999, the lack of inconsistency with management up above them. AOL Time Warner, the merger already happened, TW. So I'm just trying to give you context there. So what happens is the executives want these ratings that WWE Raw is getting weekly. They want Nitro to get that. So, you know, and it's funny because Reflectionites, whether you are a fan of Russo or not, I tweeted Russo, and Russo actually tweeted back to me, TW, so I'm not going to give the context, because Russo was lambasting, you know, Raw for the bad ratings it got against Monday Night Football. And I said, and I tweeted to Russo in in context because I knew Russo was doing a ha-ha moment because Russo is, is not a fan of Triple H's vision of trying to give wrestling back to the fans. You could sum that up by saying he's not a fan of fucking wrestling. <laughs> you want to be right. honest? Because he said anything good. If we're right. being but he was happy about the ratings being low, but I told him, I said, you can't, you know, give Triple H, you can't lambast Triple H after two months. I understand where you're coming from, but you got to give it at least six months before you can at least critique it, you know, look at the numbers and see what, what goes on, TW. And also, you know, and I wanted to say to Russo, and I wish I did, but you know what, I'm being cordial. You know, sometimes people on social media want to like, you know, you know how you are on social media. You want to show them how that how dumb they are. You want to demean them. And then, you know, like you said, mental health and social media is not a great combination. So I wanted to say to Russo, Russo, when you was doing bookings for WCW, you were going through the same shit. You had executives above you that were expecting Monday Night Raw ratings instantaneously. You couldn't give that to them. You had to tell them. You probably had to shout it to them. Let it breathe. Let it marinate. Let me do what right. I got to do. But right. if you had, but it's apropos TW. If Vince Russo is laughing at Triple H after two months, then what says him? It's almost like I don't want to say that he's being hypocritical, but. He's being hypocritical. What's ATW about that? And then we'll talk about the paper. Listen, and I don't, I don't have any ill will towards the man at all, but it's petty is what it is. It's at the end of the day, the guy wants all the credit for the Attitude Era and none of the credit for the shit that happened to Impact and WCW. Now, I will say this. I thought that shit with Russo in the WCW where they did the Great Reset, I thought that shit was bad. This is worse. This is why they brought him in. So mm-hmm. in hindsight, it was an improvement because it was that bad. And like, you know, I didn't even stop. I, I wasn't even done critique. Hugh Morris is a nasty boy now, but they're also the first family. It's just like, what? It's just nothing makes sense. And Bagwell comes out to hug Duggan, who just was fighting. Like, they're still trying oh, to do I'll get, I'll get to that. I'll get to the world and now Buff's coming out like he's Luger slamming Yokozuna on the fucking USS Intrepid. It's just, it's, this is just corny. It's it's bad and and the and the, the the icing on the cake is Vampiro and fucking ICP versus Eddie Guerrero, Dominic and whoever the fucking third guy was. Tell me Bray doesn't look like Dom, the little baby Dominic in that damn match. 
What's who's wow, the third what a, guy? What what a dig, Billy Kidman, the filthy oh, animals, Kid- the original filthy Kid- animals. The other match is the one where I didn't know who the guy was. Uh, Lash Larue or whatever. Lenny Lane and Lash Larue. We'll get to. I'll get you that. No, Lenny Lane is Lash Larue. No, Lash Legends, my girl on uh, NXT. That. It You're was right. Lash LaRue. It was Lodi. Lodi and Lash LaRue. Oh no, no, no. It was Lodi no, and Lenny Lane. It was Lenny Lane. Yeah. 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 Lash LaRue's that other dude, the Cajun guy. Yeah. Anyway, that match was okay. Yeah, I did way too much Chuck and Billy shit with the uh the two of them. Um I'll get to that. Rick Steiner versus Saturn was good. And it's it was mm-hmm. cool to see Saturn as a serious guy, right? And uh so there was some good. It was at least good wrestling, because I already mentioned Sid and Benoit. Um, I, I really, really like the Sid Benoit match. Other than Sid getting his leg fucking smashed between the turnbuckle and the, or the post and the, the chair, then the next move they do is him catching him off the top rope and, and, and that. But, but other than that, it's this, the, the word you use inconsistent is perfect because this pay-per-view is inconsistent in the fact that it's got some good wrestling, some garbage, some good mm-hmm. storytelling, more garbage. I don't know about storytelling, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's just my humble opinion. Well, you, but, you don't think the storytelling was garbage? Or you... No, because, again, with the inconsistencies, how can you? How can I get invested? How could the fans get invested? Know, that's but, why but, they changed it. They're trying to tell a story. Hogan and Sting had a fucking run. It was, a, it was an angle. Sid yeah. and Benoit had an angle. I'm sure right. Goldberg and, and DDP had an angle. Yep. So what I'm saying uh, is was... they tried. Right. They, they tried, but you know what? Like I said, the end result, we all know this. We're not doing hindsight here, uh, Reflectionites, but TW, you know the, the ugly truth. Because of these inconsistencies over the weeks, what did you do? You flipped the channel to Monday Night Raw because it was exciting. You had Austin. You had Brock. You had Vince McMahon. You had DX and all that stuff. You had Mankind. You had a plethora of people that you can get invested in. And that formula works on a two-hour basis. And, again, the three hours of Nitro, just you had the talent. You had a – I'm not going to say you had a format because we've heard stories of, uh, about Eric Bischoff writing the show as soon as it started. So he, he had no format. So neither here nor there. But let's talk about some of the stuff that you even talked about with the paper. We're not going to go match by match. I'll try to, like – give you the hyperboles reflection ice and tw will react back so the opening theme of fall brawl tw like you said the main storyline revolves around hulk hogan the red and yellow hulk hogan sting and lex luger now sting has a quandary tw so i'm going to try to explain this before we talk about them don't talk about the match i'm just going to talk about the storyline let's stick with the storyline first all right tw yep so they start out fall brawl by saying, who can you trust thing between Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger? That's the basis of the storyline. Now, you talked about Hulk Hogan. You didn't know that he was in the red and yellow in 1999. That's funny to me, but neither here nor there. But Hulk Hogan was on a redemption tour, if you will, TW. Being in the red and yellow, he was trying to, like, wash away the sins of the NWO, but funny enough, a couple of months later, he dons the Hollywood black and black and white against Jeff Jarrett. But again, neither here nor there. TW. Now we go into the other other uh, apple, if you will, of the tree. Lex Luger. Lex Luger, the the millennial 
Lex Luger. He was the total package. He wasn't really Lex Luger. He was just the total package. He was changing his gimmick. He was with Miss Elizabeth and all that in the whole nine. So now the basic storyline is Sting is the hoe. He got it. And he's got two side pieces. So which side piece does the hoe want to be with? Hulk Hogan or Lex Luger? So now Luger has the history of the friendship, the business friendship, and Hulk Hogan is trying to be the, you know, train, say your prayers, and eat your vitamins, I'm going to kick your ass, redemption uh, tour, TW. So what say you about that storyline to correlate into this match? Don't talk about the match yet, but I'm just saying that's the synopsis of the storyline. Who can Sting trust between Hogan and Luger? Does that make sense? One thing they did right is Sting was siding with Hogan over Lex, right? Obviously, we know why in the end, but... Actually, but, Sting was neutral. I will just correct He was neutral until right before this pay-per-view, and he got in a piss fight with Luger on Nitro, or Thunder, or whatever fucking show. But here's the problem with this angle. It's not only been done a million and fucking one times. It's been done to Luger a million and one times. It's his, his end in WWE was the one we've talked about on here many times, where the, fr- the crowd cheered DiBiase pushing him off the top rope because they thought DiBiase was turning good and joining Tatanka. They didn't realize Tatanka was hoodwinking the fans the whole time, that Lex never went bad, that Lex always was true to the red, white, blue, and Tatanka was the fucking fink, right? So, mm-hmm. and why did they do that? Because Luger was good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy so many times in WCW that when he came to WWF as a heel and then became the American guy, everyone was just waiting for him to turn heel again because that was his M.O. So now here he is here. Um, Another one who they put the belt on because he had the crowd here, one in the palace. We talked about it. It is my fucking... I had no clue that he won the world title in the palace. I didn't even know that's what that was. Almost four years to the day of the Yokozuna fucking ball drop. Um, Mm -hmm. So now here he is, is a pseudo-heel between your baby face trying to make Sting not trust Hogan while the fans are because even Sting in the interview that he does he says who's right am I right Hogan's on the good the crowd was split whether or not they trusted Hogan or not so so which is which is odd because other than the NWO turn Hogan was a good guy from 83 until 96 and then now here it is 99 he's a good guy again more people should side with Hogan just for his track record if not for the fact that it's Luger that's the one saying he's shit in the bed. So Luger's Tatanka in this instance. Hogan is Lex, and Sting is Ted DiBiase, and it plays out the exact same way. Let me ask you this in this context here. Hogan and Sting, it was a monumental main event match, supposedly, right? But in comparison to Starcade 1997 TW, all the hyperboles and the, the stars align, but the match was a total flop. We get to Fall Brawl 99, the, the two names, they're iconic. You got a third iconic and a fourth, if you want to talk about Brett the Hitman Hart and DDP. But we neither here nor there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But TW, in comparison to Star King 1997 to Fall Brawl 1999, TW, this Hogan Sting main event, if you will, Feels like a nitro. Feels like a thunder. The bloom is off the the rose, if you will, of speciality. The bloom is off the rose of investment. What say ETW about the difference? Because even though this is a main event and these are two iconic figures, 
It doesn't. The magic is gone. It's been there, there done magic. that, got the T-shirt. Yeah, because this match was done in Nitro '95. This match was done, you know, over and over again. The only difference is it's it's red, white, or red, white, red and yellow Hogan versus Sting instead of NWO. But you know what would have made it better? What? Surfer Sting coming back would have made it better because now. And by the way, Sting is right here, fucking right here. He mm-hmm. is on my Mount Rushmore of, uh, where's he? Where are you, Sting? I got him hidden somewhere. He's on my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers. Here he is. So, you know, the five of you watching. No, I got tons of Sting merch. He's second only to Warrior. Um, you, you one need to, like, promos, cat- you, you, need to categorize. you need huh? to categorize your, your walls. So this way you just know when to look and know where to look. No, I was looking for these little mini guys. Oh, okay. But well, uh, let's say you let's say you TW finish your thought. I'm sorry. The worst promo I've ever seen Sting do after becoming Sting, right? He might have been worse in UWF. By the okay. way, I had a dream. I had a dream the other night. I was in a wrestling ring because I went to a wrestling show with somebody who assumed I still wrestled and said, Hey, we're gonna throw you in this match. And I was like, Oh shit. But in my dream, because a true wrestler always has his gear when he goes to a wrestling show, I had gear. And mm-hmm. then um, in the locker room was Tito Santana, Terry Taylor, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. And there was one other guy next to him. I don't remember who it was. And I said, you know what? Here's something funny, Tito. You're my first ever favorite wrestler. You were the IC champ. I go, and then I found the UWF. It's my favorite promotion of all time. Dr. Death looked at me. I, I looked at him, winked and smiled and said, UWF champ. And I said, and then I saw this guy, Terry Taylor. I go, who also did the flying forearm? Who also did the big four leg lock? And he was the television champion, their secondary title. I'm like, man, I got two Tito Santanas. I got Tito, I got him. And then I fucking woke up before I had my match. But, breaking news, October 1st, October 1st, lacing them up again for the Cassidy Memorial Battle Royal up in Bay City, Michigan. So if any of the five of you listening are in Bay City, Michigan... Dr. Dare is making his long-awaited wrestling debut. Someone, hopefully one of the Reflectionites, can make you a PWR t-shirt. So this way you can yes. rep- represent yes, the Reflection. We got two weeks. Send it to me. I'll wear it for sure. Th- there you go. So now we talk about how different. You know, well, you, well, you got to talk to me about this promo. It was a terrible promo. Do you disagree? Do you agree? What, what Sting said on Fall Brawl 99? Like Sting was just fucking searching for something to say and just kept coming up with corny catchphrases that were just corny. Are we talking about 90, the Fall Brawl 99 Sting promo? In that interview before the match later on in the night. What? Where he's telling Luger. He's basically calling Luger. No, no, no. I'll tell no, I, I get you, but again, what this feels to me, it feels like a You know how we've always critiqued the, the WWE pay-per-views and we feel it's like a raw... Lazy booking. This Fall Brawl 99, those segments, those promos with Sting and Hogan is just lazy, nitro booking just to fill airtime for a three-hour-plus pay-per-view. So I'm going to defend it for a second. I'm going to defend it for a second. Go ahead. The reason it is that by then is because that's the big-picture problem with the Monday Night Wars. Mm -hmm. They turn, in reality, nitro felt like a pay-per-view. So after 83 weeks and then a couple fucking years of losing, now pay-per-views feel like nitros because mm-hmm. they don't make it special. It's the same shit you saw on Nitro. 
It's like, like, tell me you're not going to see Vampiro and ICP versus Eddie, Dom, and Kidman on a fucking Nitro to start the show. It's it, not Dom. It's Ray, man. Give it. Give looks, Ray his props. He looks like a little kid with blonde hair. It looks like a little Dom Build-A-Figure. No, Dom looks like Eddie Guerrero. Let, let's, let's be real here. How he does. <laughs> yeah. But let me ask you this question, TW. Then we'll talk about some of the matches, uh, Reflection Nights, and then we'll close it out with Hogan and Sting. But, T.W., remember one of the biggest uh, faux pas of WCW with Eric with the Eric Bischoff regime that he was relying on Hogan. He was relying on Sting and Luger, the older guys. Right. And some of, developing. The, and the, and some of the, the lower-tiered people who were younger, hungrier, had better matches. And now let's talk about it. The beginning of Fall Brawl, the, the first match is a trios match between the Dark Carnival, the Deadpool of Vampiro and ICP against the filthy animals of Eddie Guerrero, Ray Mysterio Jr., and Billy Kidman. So, T.W., while Eric Bischoff has got to, you know, rely on Hogan and Sting to get you through, you know, to pay your hard-earned money to not only get you in the arena, but for you to, to pay your $39.99 or $49.99 for the pay-per-views, these guys that are starting the trios match would never get to the next level. So, TW, again, damn if you do, damn if you don't, but, you know, we've had the, this is an ongoing debate, even in 2020, deuce, you know, some people have, you know, have it, the it factor. And some people who can wrestle, you know, I've always said this. There's a place for every wrestler on the car. Some people are starters. Some people are curtain jerkers. Some people are mid-cards. And some people are main eventers. What say you, TW? Because, you know, that was a philosophy and ideology that hurt WCW. And, of course, that was the reason that WCW went under with all the other hyperbials. I agree 100%. And I think there's one more thing they need to do. Every wrestler doesn't have to be on every pay-per-view. They they need like what did I tell you was the was the beginning of the end of NXT for me. NXT is still my fucking favorite. It's probably my favorite over UWF. But as a guy, when it, had when, wrestled, it went to I, two, when it went to two hours and live, went to two hours they crammed everybody in there. And now I think two hours is fine because they have such a fucking roster there that two hours is enough that you don't see like. I'm starting to really like that Chase U guy. Fuck, I have no idea how that happened, but he's fucking hilarious, and that chick mm-hmm. is hot. So they're not on there every week. So now when I watch my two hours of NXT, you take well, away the wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Define they're not there every week. You mean fighting or just yeah, promo? Yeah, because I've seen them promos every you week. You might see a promo or something, but they're not fighting. And okay. so when 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 they were peaking, right? War Games one, War Games two, War Games three. When 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 there was weeks when. When the Ultimate or Undisputed Air wasn't on there, I'm like, fuck! So I couldn't wait for next week, because I'm like, they'll be on next week, and then they might not be on again! And you're like, fuck! And then they're on, and you're like, yeah! And then Gargano would be another one where him and Tomasa weren't on. And then and then when they were, you were like, it meant something. To have them come out every single week dilutes them. To have every single guy every single week dilutes the product as whole. And then to have your pay-per-view... What time did that last one end? Which one? The the one with CM Punk scrum, and then they gotta have to fucking sit through that on it, top of it. It ended. Uh, it ended by midnight, give or take. Yeah, Ray Ray was like, "This fucking thing's still going." Pay per views should only be three hours long, and as a matter of fact, Raw should only be two, right? So, mm-hmm. but the difference in a two hour or three hour Raw on a three hour pay per view is 
Raw at least has commercials. So you figure an hour of that is commercials, 20 minutes per hour, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe a little less. Whereas the pay-per-view is just straight-up wrestling. So it is different. Three hours feels like four hours. But no pay-per-view. I I wanted to hug you through my phone when I saw that the pay-per-view, before the shit came up where I couldn't watch the whole thing, was only two hours and 44 minutes. I was like, all right, someone smarten up in WCW because it shouldn't be longer than that. Because now you're asking people too much. You're asking too much. And one of the reasons why takeovers were so popular is they were only four or five matches. But they were all four or five, and I love this term, bangers. They were absolute fucking bangers. Whether it was two women, four women, three guys, two guys, it didn't matter. Oh, fucking work it. Whatever the case was, takeovers, I couldn't tell you before they went away. Because I think, I'm, I'm glad they went away. Because 2.0 could have sullied the takeover name if it wasn't as good as it'll, what it will be back happened. under the Triple H. No, no, but, but now their their roster is big enough. They ha- I actually like 2.0 now. I hate fucking calling it that, but I like it now, and I and I stick to this. I think the reason why I didn't like it at first was because it was too much change. But now that I know everybody, it's it's okay because I got I love Cameron Grimes. I I love fucking. Dude, that they just sent back to Imperium. I'm very bummed out about that. I but love anyways. your ra- I love your rambling, but I remember the question wasn't that. The question is right. not about who you don't see. The question more is about WC. Well, let me go back to the oh, WCW no. thing. What I'm it's saying depending is depending on the old guys. Is the reason it feels like right? Well, that too. But the the reason it feels like Nitro is because Nitro and Pivot, there is no difference, and mm-hmm. it's the same guys. It's think yeah. about it. It's 1999. Hogan came there in 93 or 4, and 94. it was a flop. It was a fucking flop. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a total flop. It, it was a business coup, but it was it was it's successful. But we could it's not a coup when Vince isn't okay. It was fine with him leaving. It's not a coup. A coup is Hall and Nash. A, a, the biggest coup of all is Lex getting Lex to walk out of that Mall of America. But the bottom line is, you're 1999. Your headline match is a guy who peaked in 84 versus a guy who started peaking in 90, right? So Sting Hogan, granted, they both reinvented themselves in between there, but one's retorted back. Then there's Lex. Then there's, at this point, DDP's 1,000. Goldberg, whoever gave him the green light to start having wrestling matches and not have squash matches is, he should be the first one fired because... Every, oh, by the way, I got to point this out. If we're going to rip on the fucking modern wrestlers for super kicks and thigh slaps, I counted at least three different matches that had crotch fucking shots in this one, and it was Goldberg, DDP, Rick Steiner, Saturn, and mm-hmm. the Revolution, and apparently the new Nasty Boys. And that's just the three that I caught in a little four-minute and 28-second highlight reel you sent me. Uh, so I'm pretty sure ICP probably threw some Well, crotch. you know, you know that it was going with the times. Crotch shots was a thing. That was that was the that was the end thing to do, Backy. but again, don't let everyone do the same shit, man. True, I, I agree with you 100. percent But true, but true to form here for WCW purposes, the beginning was a trios match between the Deadpool, ICP, and Vampiro against the Filthy Animals, and That's the what winners. They were called, Deadpool. Well, they had two. They had two names. I remember it was either Deadpool or the Dark Carnival, but I'm going to call them the Deadpool here. But again, TW, the lazy, you could call it the lazy, inconsistent bookings. This was a rematch from a previous pay-per-view 
road wild. So you're actually extending the storyline. And like we says, if it's a pay-per-view that feels like a nitro, what was the one thing that we kept harping on Vince McMahon and harping on WWE? 50-50 booking. Road Wild, the Deadpool won. Here, the Filthy Animals get the 50-50 booking. They win. So, TW, again, lack of consistency, lack of storytelling, and just plugging out, you know, six decent workers, wrestlers, whatever you want to call it, TW. But you know what? They they, they fill the void for 15 minutes, you could say, for airtime on a two-hour and 45-minute pay-per-view. What say you, TW? They couldn't accentuate their potential, in my opinion. They were just there. I don't want to say they were phoning it in with a match, but sometimes maybe creative phoned it in because they just said, okay, these six guys could give you some good spots here and there. The crowd will eat it up. So what's That's exactly what happened. The the ultimate compliment in the wrestling business to a, a wrestler who's not on top is to be asked to go first because you're setting the tone for the night. And they put those six guys out there. God bless ICP. I know he'll will for them. But Eddie, Dom, Kidman, <laughs> Vampiro. Are you can't call him Dom. Part. It's Ray. It's hard oh, to say Ray. Go back to Dom with the blonde hair. Go back and look. But, uh, it's Eddie and his son and his uncle, Kidman. Who, by the way, mm-hmm. we can't talk about Kidman and not bow at his feet and thank him for bringing Tori Wilson to the world of professional wrestling, the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. Thank okay. you, Billy Kidman. It didn't work out for you, but damn it, thank you for putting put her on my TV screen. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you put those guys out there. Uh, again, uh, th- this is very AEW two the trios. Like what it really is 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 fucking six guys they had nothing to do with, and they're that's like, what I'm saying that it, that's they just throw them out. I'm agreeing. They threw them yeah. out there and said, "Let's pop some popcorn," and bam, 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 they went all over the place. I'm sure it was crotch shots in there. Um, I don't even remember who won. I think Eddie got the pen on somebody. Yeah. Eddie Guerrero, well, I don't know who got the pin, but it was the Filthy Animals who won that match. So, you know, that's the way Reflection Ice I felt about the inconsistencies of, of WCW in 1999. You had a rematch from a pay-per-view. You know, TW, let's just say this before we talk about another, we can highlight another match. What would it you changed about this rematch, supposedly? How is the storyline be different? Would you add the element of maybe a tables match? Would you add the element of no disqualifications, a tornado match, to give it some oomph, some pizzazz, some sizzle, or is that overkill? You're talking about this particular six-man match? Yes. It Knowing that it was, a re, it was a rematch from a previous paper. Wasn't there four Filthy Animal guys? No, originally it was three, but then it was four with disco and stuff like that. Oh, fuck that! Uh, that would yeah. take away. But uh, and Conan, let me. Conan was always a member of the Filthy Animals. You know what they should have done? They should have made it a tornado match where all three fucking guys on both teams were in the ring at the same time. Then you could have just had carnage. It would have been like a fucking TLC match except for teams. Mm-hmm. You know, three against three, and yeah, throw in the fucking trash cans and all that shit. I don't know that you necessarily want that as the first match. Because that, that tends to take it to a level that the next match better be fucking Norman Smiley versus the Italian Stallion because no one's going to give a fuck about the next match, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't mean that as a knock on Norman. I meant Norman It'd be a bathroom break. It would be yeah. something to yeah. cool down the crowd yeah. and then, you and know. Still, but still make him laugh with his riding the pony and all that. 
but I, I meant it's I, a job match. And because you know, you're, definitely, you're definitely doing too much too soon if you do all that. But I think the six-man should have been, instead of a tag, it should have been Tornado. Yeah, that's why I'm just saying. You just have to add a little sizzle to something that's going to be a rematch and accentuate the rivalry or storyline per se. So let's highlight something else you talked about a little bit with the, the card rundown that you did with your diatribe. We'll talk about the first family versus the revolution. Now, TW, probably you are surprised about the Hugh Morris and Nasty Boy Brian Knobs teaming up, but they weren't a really a tag team because it was the first family. It was trying to reignite the magic of Memphis wrestling for the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was MIA all of 1998, so to speak. He didn't do anything. The Dungeon of Doom disbanded and all this stuff. So Jimmy Hart just laid in the background. So now, again, I, I'm not going to call it inconsistencies. What was that? Jimmy Hart was part of the Dungeon of Doom. Yes, he was. He was one of the leaders of the Dungeon of Doom in 95, 96, 97. I must block that shit out, man. I did not. So he was with the Giant when the Giant was, I'm going to kill you. He was managing the Giant when he won the title. Peace. I'm going to try to explain that Jimmy Hart was trying to reignite, you know, his spotlight, you could, if you will, reignite the, the, the value that Jimmy Hart brings. But again, it's uh, almost a wasted mo <clears throat> moment, TW, and reflectionized because Jimmy Hart's thunder for, you know, the 80s managers like Bobby Heaton, Mr. Fuji, and himself per se, TW, they were waning. They weren't really, they weren't precedent. They weren't valuable. So Jimmy Hart is, you know, managing Hugh Morris, is managing uh, Mang, is managing the Barbarian, and trying to, you know, the first family. If Unless you knew about Memphis Wrestling Reflectionites, then you wouldn't understand the, 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 the name itself. That was the name in Memphis Wrestling. That was the... That was the faction that challenged Jerry the King Lawler every Monday night at the Mid-South Coliseum. That's how special the first family was. So now the first family's here, and they're not curtain jerkers, TW, but they're lower cards, and now they're facing a, I don't want to say overrated faction in the revolution, but they're overrated. They can talk you to the match, but the matches they had in 1999 with Shane Douglas and and... Dean Malenko and Perry Sandin, when they're together, was the drizzling shiznits. What say you, TW? Yeah, they're. It, it, I still. It's weird because I can't sit here and heal on a on a first family gimmick when Heenan family is pretty cheesy, and it was a hodgepodge, right? Like everybody wasn't really. Um, everybody wasn't really. Um, on the same look, right? Like mm -hmm. Andre, Haku, uh, Perfect, Rick Rude. Like any two of them could have gone together, but the rest of them. But fucking Brian Knobs, come on. Who else did you say was in it? The Barbarian? Yeah, the and, Faces of Fear, Brian Knobs. That, that's all I remember so far. Or Sags. Sags was injured. He was out. So basically this is just... It's not nepotism because it's not family, but this is these guys have a job, especially Jimmy and and Nobbs because of Hogan. They're we're employing Hogan's guys because 
I'm surprised you're not going to tell me Beefcake wasn't around a Zodiac again in there. Um, no, that, he, left in, he left in late 98, maybe early 99. To go where? I don't know. Maybe his contract. To do indies? What? So this is an example of, you know, Jimmy, it, you know, keep him on as a, as a guy in the back for, for booking and, you know, that kind of stuff. The rest of those guys, this dude, well, Hugh Morris was younger, uh, mm -hmm. but it, this, is a, this is an example of guys taking spots on a pay-per-view where I couldn't tell you who's fucking missing because I don't know. Macho Man's not there. Bret Hart's not there. Uh, so there's two guys that could have been there on there instead of those two guys. Um, I don't know that they would have wrestled Shane and, and Dean, but the fact that Shane and Dean lost takes away all logic for me of having those guys on this show. Because if they're there to put Shane and Dean over so that they can elevate to take on a Brett and Macho Man down the road, they lost. And, and figure it this way, T.W., and hopefully you can get your, uh, well, don't worry about it, but I don't see your, your camera. I don't see your beautiful you face. You froze for a while, but now you're back for me. But I, I, well, okay. I don't, don't worry about it. But anyway, TW, but anyway, Reflection Nights, maybe TW's frozen on, on my recording, but don't worry. He's, he still looks perfect, but neither here nor there. But let, let's just say this, TW, the Shane Douglas factor, I want you to understand this. Me being the ECW mark that I am. Shane Douglas being in WCW, I was thinking, and probably a lot of ECW fans were thinking, okay, Shane Douglas, you know, he's not going to be the main eventer. He's not going to fight for the WCW title. Don't get me wrong. Maybe he could do the U.S. title. Maybe he could do the TV title. Maybe it could be a high mid-card position. This is not high mid-card position, neither here nor there, TW. So what say you? This was a disappointing free agency pickup. Uh, this is what we call... On the Pro Wrestling Podcast, Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast is untapped potential. There is absolutely no reason Shane Douglas couldn't have been main event. If Jeff Jarrett did it, then Shane Douglas should have done it because they're the same. If you ask me, Shane and Jeff Jarrett are the same prototype, right? Mm -hmm. They're not the right. biggest guy, but they're in good shape and they can work, right? They mm -hmm. both can talk. Um, Shane got hosed by Benoit and uh, Dean, especially Dean, if you watch shoot interviews, when they skipped town and went and didn't take oh. him with them, when he was oh, the yeah. one that made the original call. You told uh, the but, story. The 12 heard that story. We but know here's it. the problem with Shane. This mm -hmm. is where you, you have to go 90-10% with Blaine. Shane burned a lot of his own fucking bridges, especially it's, it's almost stunning that he was there in the first place because of how he left the first time was going to ECW and just burying Ric Flair and Arn Anderson and those guys. Just so now he's back there at a time when Flair and Arn are having a renaissance, you know. So, mm -hmm. but Flair and Arn have never been ones to turn down business. But I, I, this whole era, this this time frame in WCW, my biggest empathy goes to Shane Douglas because. I don't even know how the hell he got out of WWE contract, but I, I thought it was under bad conditions. But watching the shoot interview, it wasn't. It was just they both agreed to part ways. Like, it just wasn't working. Uh, mm -hmm. Which I personally fucking love Dean Douglas. I loved it. I was hoping he was going to beat Razor and be the IC champ. I think he was, and then Razor took it, right? 
Technically, so, he's a former. Uh, he, he got it after Shawn Michaels got he beat up by the, the Navy men. The Navy yeah. men. The Battle Royal was the other thing, where it was yeah. him and uh, who was it? Razor and Tatanka or Mr. Perfect? Who the fuck was the final? Rick no, he wasn't in the, you're thinking about the model, Rick Martell. That's Rick a different Martell. thing. Rick Martell. Who was yeah. the guy in the final with him? Razor and Martell. Yeah, but Razor won it. Martell didn't. Right. So Martell's never been an IC champ. Correct. That's bullshit, too. Another fucking untapped chance with Rick Martel. He come a long way from that shitty interview we saw him in when he speak of Quebec. You're, na- you're naming untapped potential episodes, future episodes, but neither here nor there. But I'm, 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 I'm telling you, Shane Douglas, regardless, I mean, fuck, if CM Punk can get a fucking job again, Shane Douglas should have had water under the bridge, and he could have made WC. I, he might be the reason they failed. If you'd have used him and elevated him and start pushing these other guys away... Like, even when they did that Millionaire's Club versus the young guys with fucking Kidman and all that, Shane wasn't even part of that, was he? Part of what? The New Blood versus the Millionaires? No, he was, he was part of the uh, New Blood. Yeah. He was part, but he wasn't yes. the guy. Kidman was the guy, right? The No, the leader of the New Blood was technically Jeff Jarrett. What the fuck? Yeah. He wasn't with the old guys? No. Oh, God, this is Vince Russo booking, right? Yep. Good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> am, I back? am I back on screen? No, but I can still hear your beautiful voice. Damn Don't worry it. about I'm it. The show. I finally got my whole, my grail, they call it in the wrestling business, collecting figures. I got the North American Elite Adam Cole. North American Championship. I now have every Adam Cole action figure and the Bleacher Creature. Well, you know what? The, the YouTubers... The TN couponers are going to miss out on that, but it's okay. But as well, long as you say my, it. I can see me, so maybe they yeah. can see it if my shit got recorded too. But, Hopefully they'll, uh, they'll see it, but neither here nor there. But, again, I can't call Shane Douglas untapped potential. I just call him misused and abused in WCW because he did not hold take on. advantage what, what of Shane Douglas. Do, what did he do in WCW? Nothing. So he came in. Did he have potential to do something in WCW? They'd, he could have had potential. He no, he does have potential. They had it right there, and instead of putting the tap on it, they put the tap on who? Hogan, Sting, DDP, Luger, and fucking Macho Man again. It's a, it's a C-O-N-spiracy. That's what it is. For Shane Douglas not to be used in the light that he could have after leaving ECW and putting that uh, organization on his back, Giving that organization traction, giving that organization a platform, he was one of the main reasons, and WCW didn't take advantage of that. But now, let's focus on another match that you talked about, TW. Well, you know, they wanted to break away the Steiner brothers in, in 19... Well, they were already broken up since 98. But... While Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner was doing his thing, looking like a retread superstar Billy Graham, and, you know, I like the gimmick and all that stuff. This is not being sarcastic, T.W. What was the dog-faced gremlin doing? He was trugging along as the good guy, you know, as a singles guy. But, T.W., honestly, it didn't work. And I think even Rick Steiner knew it wouldn't work. So what did he do? He went full-fledged heel and he rebranded himself the DFG, so he shortened the dog face Gremlins gimmick, so to speak, TW. I'm trying to explain it to you. But now he's a single star. He's a badass. He's wearing the sunglasses. Oh, you're back. But he, he's wearing the sunglasses and all that, the whole nine. And they want to, oh, now I lost you. But neither here nor there. But they're trying to make him a single star. So what do you do? 
You give him the WCW Television Championship TW, the title that was made famous by people like Arn Anderson, that was made famous by people like William Regal, that was made famous by Dusty Rose, Tully Blanchard, Nikita Koloff, and all the, all the nine, Terry, uh, Stunning Steve Austin, Ricky the Dragon Steamo, the, the names, the icons, the Hall of Famers, the legends that were holding on to that TV title, and now Rick Steiner gets a chance. He gets this match against Perry Saturn. Again, this is a match that was more perfect for Nitro, more perfect for Thunder, but it served a purpose to get, you know, it was more to get Rick Steiner over more, to be taken seriously, to get to that next level. He was doing the singles thing, but mostly people were interested in the singles thing with him and his brother when they had that clash, when they had that. That was good storytelling, brother against brother. But then that storyline got stale. So Rick Steiner needed to repackage himself. <clears throat> excuse me, repackage himself. So what's AUTW about the, you know, the motivation to change the gimmick of Rick Steiner? The problem was, is he, I guess it was kind of good that Scott was out injured. But he come across as another Scott Steiner. If you don't like me, bite me. At 1,000% sounds like something Scott Steiner would say. And, mm -hmm. oh, by the way, it sounds exactly the same because they got the same voice, and so does Braun. They all sound the fucking same. So, I, and the the real problem, he could throw on that leather jacket all he wants, the dog collar. He still wore the singlet. He still wore the fucking mismatched boots. He should have, I think he still had the fucking headgear. He should have completely reinvented himself, not just dye his beard the opposite of what his brother's was. Um, right. He, he, the head, he, I'm just going to correct you, TW, just one second. He did not wear the headgear during the heel run. So I'm just saying he had, that. He had a big-ass fro going then because he had lots of hair. But yes. I, I disagree that the match should have been a Nitro or Thunder because this one also had a backstory because they had already wrestled before which was probably on a Nitro or Thunder, and it led to them fighting for the title on the pay-per-view. I liked that it was a clean match. It was a good match. They did some cool shit, and Rick won clean, and, mm -hmm. and he got to showcase all his stuff. The Steiner line, the catch-you-in-the-air power slam, still the best ever. When Rick Steiner gives the... Th it's not... It's not it's, it's a move on to itself. I, don't, I think younger guys these days might try to steal it from him, but there's a 360 power slam. Best in the business right now is Randy Orton. And then there's Rick Steiner catching your ass on a leapfrog and doing the, the 360 power slam. Uh, it's just a thing of beauty. The bulldog at the top rope was his finisher. Every they Look, this isn't untapped potential. If it never went anywhere, it wasn't because WCW didn't try. I just think mm -hmm. at this point, Scott turning on him, he, he got to be the Marty, unfortunately. And, and I disagree that he is the Marty. I think Rick's the better of the two, period. I think Scott did some awesome shit when they were at team with that Frankensteiner. But Scott Steiner solo compared to Rick Steiner solo, I will take Rick all day, every day. But unfortunately, timing is everything. And he looks like they made him Scott Steiner while Scott Steiner was out hurt. And that's unfair. But that's how it come across to me. Okay, I go with that assessment. But again... The powers that be chose Scott Steiner to be the Shawn Michaels. So, you know, it is what it is. So it's hindsight what we're talking about. But the reality is Scott Steiner was Shawn Michaels and Rick Steiner was Marty Jannetty. So let's talk about this other. You want to talk about repackaging during the 90s with the, the advent of social media, TW, with the advent of hardcore fans. Let's just talk about it with abbreviation. Mr. Alex Wright, a.k.a. Berlin. 
making his debut on Fall Brawl, you could say, the repackaged Alex Wright as Berlin with, uh, I forgot, his, the wall as his bodyguard. Go, supposedly, he was supposed to go up against Buff Bagwell, but there's two sides to the story. Buff Bagwell says he was uh, stuck in traffic, if you will, TW, but most of the people within the business said that Buff Bagwell refused, and I repeat, refused to job to Berlin because, again, he didn't. He felt he was above that. It was beneath him, if you will. So they had a substitute, and who did they put as a substitute? Everybody's favorite All-American, who? Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who was willing to take the pin, but funny enough, T.W., he was not willing to make Berlin look good in taking the pin, if, if you understand what I'm saying, because it just looked like, you okay, slap me, hit me. This don't hurt. Take the pin, and then that was it. And then funny enough, T.W., Buff Bagwell conveniently comes out of the crowd. Well, not out of the crowd, but out of the curtains. And, you know, uh, Hacksaw is pissed, if you will. Right. So that was a you know, And Buff Bagwell, and, and this is the funny thing of the inconsistencies and maybe, you know, the politicking backstage. Buff Bagwell is your, I don't know if I'm going to say this, but Buff Bagwell is supposed to be your future, your millennium, millennial man for the – for the 21st century, if you will, this is your man of the future for WCW, and now he's getting embarrassed two two times over. He is he's embarrassed by the boys in the back because he did not honor his date, if you will. He did not honor his commitment, and then step two, he got embarrassed by Hacksaw Jim Duggan in the ring. So what's the ETW about this hosh posh clusterfuck of everything? Well, now it all makes sense, because remember I told you it made no sense to me that Buff wasn't there, and then he was, and he ran out. And Why would Buff Bagwell refuse to do a job to someone? Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure Das Wunderking was around before fucking Buff Bagwell, or at least well, right around Buff the Bagwell, No, 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 no. Buff Bagwell was a senior member. He was there since right, 91. Right, because Das Wunderking went away, and then he came back as fucking Berlin. But, right, but that's when the King debuted in 94. So, uh, you know, Buff Bagwell, with all due respect, T.W., he had more seniority in his... 92, in his 93? Run. He was on fucking Global in 91. No, he, yeah, came in, he came in WCW late 91. He came in in November. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I, that's, that's sad, man. And, and if Duggan's like, fuck you, I did what you wouldn't do, good, good for Duggan, right? Because it was weird. Like, why fuck come out here and steal my spotlight after I just did the job for the guy that you wouldn't do. Now you're going to come out here? Fuck you. Get out of here. Because nothing came of it. It was just like weird. But yeah, yeah that's, it, that's bad it, news, man. It was very weird, but like you said, everything, you know, what is the past is the present. Like, again, you know, CM Punk is mad at Adam Page, but that was shoot interviews, shoot promos and all that stuff. Right here, we, we didn't know the reasonings but, you know, hearing the stories, what say you about a man refusing to do what he's booked to do? Would you would you look at Buff Bagwell in a different light? Would you say, well, you're not, you know, what's best for business? Or does Buff Bagwell have, you know, a credence to argue his positioning? Have credence to say, that's not going to work for me. How are we going to make money together if you're going to make me job to a new character that everybody knows is Das Wunderkind? You can't repackage shit. You know, this is not the, the 80s where, you know, Smash from Demolition 
was Crusher Khrushchev, but a lot of people didn't know. Everybody knew this was Alex Wright, so you couldn't repackage shit. I'm not saying that Alex Wright is shit. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to give you the analogy here. But does Buff Bagwell have a point? That's what I'm trying to ask. Once, like I said last time, in hindsight, Austin looks like an asshole for not doing the job for Brock only because of what Brock ended up becoming, right? Okay. It mm-hmm. wouldn't have hurt Austin in the long run. Like he, It looked like it was going to hurt him then. Mm-hmm. So in that aspect, it is a testament to Buff because Berlin never did fuck all. So you, you kind of changed my opinion on the situation when you said he was supposed to be the guy they were building towards the future. However, mm-hmm. if they had a logic behind it and they told him, you're going to lose here, but it's going to be, didn't a hacksaw get a screw job? It wasn't clean, was it? Didn't the other guy help him, the wall? Well, it, it didn't matter, but it was like Hacksaw didn't sell in the ring. He right. just took the pin. So the right. match just looked weird. Like right, you said. but I'm saying, if he got screwed, there was a screw drive. Like, Austin was supposed to lose clean in the middle of the ring on Monday Night Raw. So at the mm-hmm. time, you, we, if he had done it and things didn't play out the way they did, we'd be talking about that the same way I said three years ago, uh... Luger and DDP were the fucking darlings, and now they're the fucking scrubs, right? We would be saying that about Austin, who's arguably Mm -hmm. arguably the best run in the history of the business. If Owen doesn't break his neck, it's even longer. But at the end of the day, if Buff was thinking he was going to be the future, and they're like, oh, by the way, you're losing to Buff or Berlin. And he's like, fuck that. But if the first thing they ask you to do, you say no to, you're telling them that if we put a belt on you, you might then also say, fuck that. And then you ruin their plans in the future. So I, I would, I would, I would absolutely feel the same way Hacksaw did. That motherfucker came running out after I filled his spot because he didn't want a job. I'd be like, no, mm-hmm. bitch, this is my camera time. Get the fuck out of here. You had your chance. Go. You fucking right. come back out of Nitro and talk shit about something. But right now, I lost. This camera's on me. And it was, and, and it mm-hmm. made Duggan look weak. It made it look like he was out there to console him. Like, sorry. Well, buddy. you know, to be, to be foul. To be fair, Duggan in 1999, you know, is getting older, so his cred is is waning. But, that, too. but see, before you explain it to me, that's what I thought the angle was: was that Duggan was down on his luck, lost, and Buff was going, "No, oh, man, you almost had him, you almost had him." But now, based on what you're telling me, that ain't even close to what the fuck it was. And that was just me trying to make sense of the shit because I still didn't know what the hell was going on because he was a replacement guy. So if it was like done in the vein of Rick Flair, you lose, you're fired, you know, and then he finally lost to Michaels. That was an awesome year-long angle, you know, with Ric Flair. But Duggan, it just was like, what the fuck is happening here? And then you right. tell me that, now it all makes sense. It's dumb. Yeah, it, it was very dumb. So, you know what? Let's talk about another match that you, you know, in your diatribe that I'll try to explain here. Because the optics of the match you said with the David and Goliath was great. Sid Vicious, the Millennium Man, was coming in. So to to put a hyperbole on this, TW, the match is secondary. It was a litmus test for Sid Vicious because the Millennium Man gimmick for Sid Vicious, TW, since she wasn't watching, he was targeting somebody. He was targeting Goldberg. He was calling himself the Millennium Man. He said, I wanted to break I want to break Goldberg's streak. In Fall Brawl 1999, TW, 
Sid Vicious was on a 79-match winning streak. So technically, he booked himself saying, I'm 79-0. He's facing Chris Benoit, who is the current United States Heavyweight Champion. And, they, you know, he wants the belt. He wants to, you know, eclipse Goldberg's career. And he needs that U.S. belt to, you know, get that legacy that Goldberg has achieved. So I'm trying to explain it as best I can to UTW. He defeats Chris Benoit. You said it was a decent match with the David and Goliath uh, kind of scenario, if you will. Chris Benoit made Sid Vicious look like a million bucks. Let's be fair here. Whether you like him, Reflection Nights or not, with the double murder homicide and, you know, family suicide. I, again, I'm not going into that. I'm going with the rest. I'm separating the bullshit that he did in, you know, in real life with what I'm seeing in the ring. So it was a great match. Chris Benoit carried the match. Chris Benoit led the match made Sid Vicious look good, but to me, this, the story is secondary because he was going off to bigger and better things. So what's ATW about Sid Vicious, the Millennium Man, becoming 80-0 and, and, the, and the new United States Heavyweight Champion? I didn't, I didn't know that part, but I did like, like, like you've, I've come around, you've, you've, you've won me to the dark side, like, <laughs> Sid leaving, coming back, leaving, coming back, like, nobody did it more than that guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. him having that U.S. title wasn't like, oh, he's a bum. He can't win the world title. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's a sweet belt, first and foremost. It's one of my it's probably my third favorite belt behind the IC and the, and the original U.S. title. But uh, if the TW, hold your thought for a second. The, the one thing of even though there was inconsistencies with storylines, this was a consistent storyline that made sense. So I just wanted to at right. least defend WCW booking and Kevin Sullivan. I'm sorry. But I, I love Sid. So anything they do with Sid, yeah. anytime I'm in for it, I still can't watch that fucking top rope double accent. Brutal. But, uh, I had next questions. week on the PWR podcast, TW watches Sid vicious uh, botch. Well, go ahead. This is, this is before that, right? Way before that. Well, fuck. It can't be too way before they're only in business another year and three months. <laughs> But that was the uh, one that he uh, broke his ankle. Yeah, but he he went in that title. But the the good thing was there nothing about this match. And you know what? And all those things you said, I wasn't even gonna bring him up, but I will say this. As I was watching it, I'm like, you know, there might be someone that has a problem with us talking about this match. But the reality is, and I'll be the asshole, if someone has a bone to pick with us talking about this match, they're doing it to get on a fucking soapbox and do fucking virtue signaling. We're talking about a wrestling match on a pay-per-view. 1999, damn near 10 years before that heinous shit happened. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about the guy. We're just talking about this was a good match. It was well done, well wrestled by two guys, and at the end of it, even though Sid won with the powerbomb, he won it because Benoit missed a headbutt. It was a beautiful finish, and it was done in such a way that they could have a rematch, and Benoit being the guy to end Sid's streak would be okay. Because mm -hmm. everyone thought it was going to happen that night at some points in the match because it was a very, very, very good match. And you know what? If someone's got a problem with us talking about a good match that happens to have somebody in it that, you know, did some horrible shit, that, you know what? That's on them. Don't watch it. But I did, and I enjoyed the fucking match. And I would have enjoyed it in 1999 if I saw it then. And I was mm -hmm. a fan of that guy. And it breaks my heart the shit that happened. But we can't undo it. And we're li we're in the time machine. We're talking about shit that happened before that, anyways. So, yeah. Well, again, Sid Vicious is well. Excuse me. Sid Vicious's uh, backstage, I guess, reputation precedes him. 
but he did ECW. He did WWE. He did WCW. He was the Terry Taylor, but he drew money. So, you know, Terry Taylor could go backstage and work all these organizations. Sid Vicious is the man who could get in the ring and make money. So he's the opposite, the polar opposite of what Terry Taylor's value is to the business. That's what I just want to say. But anyway, let's talk about, let's close the show with the two matches, TW, that were trying to recapture the magic. The first one we'll talk about is Diamond Dallas Page against Goldberg, but it was a twist. This is not Halloween Havoc 1998. This is not where when they lock up, then it goes dark. You can actually see this match. The, the, the difference is Diamond Dallas Page is leading a faction. The Jersey Triad with himself, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Chris Canyon. And, of course, Goldberg You know, is trying to get revenge on Diamond Dallas Page. Trying to get revenge on the Jersey Triad because they've made Goldberg's life a, not a living hell, but, you know, they were gnats. They were like cockroaches in Goldberg's career of him trying to regain the WCW Heavyweight Championship. So this was a stepping stone match, if you will, TW. But, of course, Goldberg needs these matches. But, again, the problem is if we're going to compare, and I hate to do this, this match is perfect for Clash of Champions. This match is perfect for the Nitro main event. This match is perfect for the Thunder main event. This is not... Halloween Havoc. This is not where, you know, Goldberg is undefeated. This is not where, you know, like you said with Benoit and Sid Vicious, can Diamond Dallas do the unthinkable, do the impossible? What say UTW about all the variables in this? The magic is not there. The, the luster is gone. This is a storyline-driven match. It's entertaining to a degree, but Goldberg has to do what he has to do to get to the next level. And again, like I said, Sid Vicious is looking at Goldberg. That's his next target. So this is, to me, a stepping stone to something else, which would be Halloween Havoc and Goldberg and Sid Vicious would start their wars. Well, this is one of the matches in the highlight reel. Let me let me tell you something real quick. It's funny you said that about Duggan's match, because the only thing they show of the Duggan match is him getting pinned. That's the only highlight. So this one, the highlights were the mule kick to Goldberg growing, and then immediately Goldberg doing the worst fucking sell job of a nut shot I've ever seen in my life. And then Bam Bam Bigelow and Canyon coming out, which I think they came out and distracted the ref. That's how DDP did the nut shot. But this is, again, I'm sure it's not the first match that exposed Goldberg. Um, but this mm-hmm. this match, and I, I didn't get to watch it. The, the last two, it's funny, the two we're going to talk about now are the two I didn't get to watch the actual match. Just got to see the highlights of it. Um I'm pretty sure he jackhammered DDP and pinned him. Mm-hmm. Speared him first and then jackhammered him. After he jackhammered up. Chris Canyon, too, so, you know, it was yeah, the whole Jersey triad, you could say. I can't talk about this without pointing this out. Uh, when Canyon and DDP, or Bam Bam came running to the ring, I went, ah, rest in peace. And then from that point on, Gene Oakland, Bobby Heenan, I'm like, damn it, they're all gone. This ain't that long ago. Uh, so anyways, um, well, 23 years is a long time, TW. I know, but, but this match, it's just, someone should have learned long ago, even if it's in a loss, don't let Goldberg go more than five minutes. It's just not in the cards, man, unless he's got a fucking tag team partner who wrestles the other five and then don't go 10 because Mm -hmm. he's just not good. And 
I like him now, okay? For the record. I like why he came back. I like what he's done since he's come back. He's had a couple stinkers, but for the most part, Bubble. he's come back. Bubble. <laughs> but Bubble. he's come back, and he's had a couple that weren't too bad, and he's put guys over, and they put him over, and, you know, I think Drew went over on him. Roman went over on him. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Taker went over on him. So, you know, obviously he's gotten over his ego because that's one of the reasons why he didn't come sooner. Um, he's another guy when I watch him and I watch, um, you know, Cody and I watch, uh, you know, different guys that come there that everyone's like, oh, you're fucking making a mistake. It makes me mad even more at Sting but, for not but coming. TW, but, T.W., with all due respect... This is 1999. Goldberg is supposed to be your pillar in WCW. He's the top five guy. But he's so, already killed. He's already been dead since the fucking cattle prod. It's, okay. That killed him. That absolutely killed him. Because what we have now is we have wrestling is clearly not real. But we're mm-hmm. blurring the lines of reality. We're trying to mix MMA into wrestling and real life shit. And then you do the fucking Jimmy Hart Mountie finish from fucking 1992 to end his winning streak, and that was it. The second, and by the way, it probably didn't even matter how he lost. The fact that he lost, that was it. That was Goldberg's claim to fame because, let's be honest, his streak was what, 1,902-0? And we saw 1,902 spears, 1,902 jackhammers. So what else were you going to get from this guy? So someone probably thought, oh, he's going to go out and have a five-star classic. Yeah, fuck, he is. He's not capable of it. And the reason is... He didn't grow up a wrestling fan. He's another football player who got hurt and couldn't play football no more and went, how much money can I make? And he made it. God bless him. That's why so, I like so TW. his comeback era better. Huh? Mm-hmm. So, T.W., with this match, I understand the comeback. Don't get me wrong. I, I respect what Goldberg's done in the WWE since 2016. Don't get me wrong. Right. I'm just going to focus on 99 because, again, you said the Cataprog. He's, he's done by then. He's done. But no with this match, I, I'm the, I already said the magic is gone. But like yeah. you said, that he can't wrestle, but at least the elements of the triad, the Jersey triad, offering this clusterfuck that could it mask his shortcomings. That's what I want to add. It fucking didn't. I tell you, it, <laughs> it might have been able to. And that's the thing. And God bless DDP, who, again, I he is a tremendous human being. Um He's probably thinking, I'm going to be the guy that pulls the five-star out of Goldberg. I love your initiative, kid, but you're just not going to pull something out of somebody who doesn't have him in it to pull. And that's okay. the that's sad truth. And I think, if anything, if Sting got a year away, fucking Goldberg should have got a year away. And then when he came back, guess what? New streak. Maybe he's learning a new fucking move. And now he get a whole new fucking ride. Right. Yeah. Instead, they, they, you keep they did around. the new they did the new streak gimmick in 2000, and that was that no, was actually he didn't worse. Go away. My point is, let him mm-hmm. go away. He got mm-hmm. cattle prodded. He lost the belt. Maybe he wins it back, loses it again. Then let him go away, like Sting did. Make a pick, show up, and be like, huh, don't say nothing and leave. Because that's the other thing you can't do. It's fucking talk. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if he comes back, or you just let him go, and maybe Vince does something with him. I know you don't want to lose him, but at this point, he's already risen up the ranks. He did the Warrior. He merged the U.S. and world titles, I'm pretty sure. Then he drops the U.S. title for the tournament. I think Brett won that. I think Brett won the No, Benoit. Or was it Brett versus Benoit? Wait, now, you, not, now you're confusing me with Goldberg. No, I'm saying Goldberg had the U.S. belt when he won the world title from Hogan, right? Yeah. Then he gave up the U.S. title, 
And then mm-hmm. they had the tournament. I think Brett won it against Benoit in the final. No. Sting won it in a tournament. And he lost it to Bret Hart in Halloween Havoc. Okay. So now when Goldberg finally loses his belt, now he's fighting Brett for the U.S. title. And he's probably, shit, I wouldn't be surprised if they put the TV title on. Maybe he went for the Cruiserweight title against Don Mysterio. I don't know. But the point is they try using him every week when he's done. Let him just take some time off and then come back. Bigger, stronger, faster with a new move. The pressure, TW, of the executives above in I get in, it. Uh, I get it. in TBS Tower and AOL Time Warner, they want the Raw ratings. They want it at least equal or even more than what Raw was doing in 1999. If you want overnight success, that's what you got to do. You need your horses. Hogan's a horse. Sting's a horse. Goldberg's your horse. So I, I understand where you're coming from and your logic and I understand, and I agree. I'm just giving you the hyperbole of the other side, which they were totally wrong because there's no WCW. So they were wrong. You're right. That's what I'm trying to say here. And but, think about this. We're looking yeah. at 1999. Just two years earlier, your good guys were Sting, Lex, Goldberg, DDP. Your bad guys were Hogan, fucking Hall Nash, Kid. Right? Now okay. it's 99. Hogan's your good guy, with Sting, who's about to not be your good guy, with Luger, who's trying to make it look like he's a good guy, but he's inevitably going to be a bad guy with Sting, and DDP's a bad guy, and Goldberg is shit. It's like, what the fuck, man? How can it go from A to Z in such a short time? It's mind-blowing how bad it got from where it was. And again, a lot of people, you said it yourself, all the people who today say, oh, the Attitude Era was better. Yeah, go back and rewatch some of that shit. I bet you have a different tune when you watch it and you don't have the adrenaline of watching it live and you're watching it as a quote-unquote historian. Uh, damn, this shit wasn't as good as I thought it was. And there's a lot there of that on both sides. There's flaws in both. The Monday uh, Night Wars had flaws. But, but now it go from where it was to where it ended up is right. mind-blowing. Absolutely. Oh, and that's what I was going to say earlier when you said something about Buff Bagwell. I just read this in an interview with Taker the other day. He said when they signed Hogan, Hall, and Nash to WWF, he watched them every fucking night because he was not going to let them do to their happy locker room what happened to WCWs and that some of the WCW guys that came there before they got signed would warn people, you better watch out for these guys. I think Buff Bagwell refusing the job to Berlin is a direct result of being in one of those locker rooms where guys are like, fuck that, I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. Again, hindsight's 2020, TW. So now let's talk about the main event of Fall Brawl 1999. It is for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Now we can talk about Hogan and Sting. I guess two, because this is, you know, the rematch, if you will. It's not really a rematch, but of course, we again, the highest of highs of WCW Starcade 1997, and then now we get to Fall Brawl. This is not your A pay-per-view, TW. This is another problem I have here. If, you're a, if this Hogan and Sting was not on Starcade or not on The Bash or not on Halloween Havoc, it's and this is fall brawl so this is like a c-level pay-per-view this is one of my problems number one number two we already had the storyline here who can sting trust between hogan 
and Luger. And your analogy of, you know, Luger, Tatanka, and De Ted DiBiase is spot on. The match is what it is. It's decent. You know, they're trying. it's a battle of supposed two good guys. You got Bret Hart in the corner. He wants to see a true winner, one-on-one, mano-on-mano. And then what happens to Clusterfucks? You got your DDPs. You got Luger. And you got, I think Sid Vicious even made an appearance. I, I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I even forget. But the piece de resistance, forget about the, the, the chin locks. Forget about the arm bars. Forget about the foot. Forget about the leg drop. Forget about everything. All it was was to get to the moment where, where Hogan gave Sting the bat said, here, you can trust me. I'm not going to do anything to you. Sting takes the bat from Hogan, and Sting wallops Hogan with the bat. Becomes the new WCW heavyweight champion. So, TW, this is a two-part question. Part one. Let's just start with part one, TW. Sting and Ricky Steen will have one thing in common. The fans will always cheer them. So why, oh why, are you going to try to change the wheel, if you will? Reinvent the wheel. Reinvent the wheel. Thank you, TW. That's why you're my co-host here. Reinvent the wheel and try to make somebody who, who the fans will refuse to boo into a bad guy. Because once I saw this, even in 1999, people did cheer. You know, the announcers could fake it all you want. The, Tony Schiavone could be pissed off. Bobby Heaton could be pissed off. Mike Tanay could be pissed off. Larry Sabisco, you know, whatever the case may be. I listened to the fans. The fans didn't care. The fans cheered that Sting was going to be the bad guy. But again, it's not the same thing. It's not that Sting can be. Sting was a heel. Sting was a heel back in the 80s, TW, with, the, with Hot Stuff Incorporated. He was the goon. He was all that stuff. But ever since 1988, where he went the distance to Ric Flair, people just gravitated towards Sting. The women wanted to, to sleep with him. Men wanted to wear the pa face paint. This was an icon. This was somebody you grew up as a kid saying, I want to be like Sting. And now you reinvent the wheel. So, T.W., what say you about, you know, they think that, you know, on paper it might sound right. But we know the execution, it won't work. Why do they do this? Listen, I know you're going to be shocked to hear this. Okay. The same reason AEW has 472 factions. Mm -hmm. Everybody is trying to recapture the fucking NWO, whether it be have a supergroup or whether it be turning a babyface heel that's going to turn the world on its ear. Except for everybody saw it coming from a fucking mile away, and no one cared, and they fucking cheered for him because it's Sting. It's just give up. Mm -hmm. Give up. Stop it. And if anyone would have turned Ricky Steamboat bad guy back then, he probably would have got booed. He would have. But it's because the way wrestling is back then, thin line between love and hate, they would have went to hating him, but he would have ended up more popular than ever once he did turn heel. Right. Um, ended up back being a baby face like Hogan. It didn't work in WCW, but when that motherfucker came out in the red and yellow on WWF, from that point on, that dude was on fire until people got stale of it again, right? But, mm -hmm. but Sting, his whole... That's the other thing why I say you could see it coming from a mile away. And I didn't know 
I didn't even know Hogan was a good guy yet until this podcast. But Sting's promo in the ring, and you know what? It makes sense now why he looked lost. Because he was probably trying to leave breadcrumbs without being blatantly obvious that he was about to turn heel. But his mm-hmm. promo was completely heelish. It, but he, and then he tried to make it. He tried to cover for it by saying bad things about Lex, and then asking the crowd, "Hey!" Like the cheap prop, except the crowd booed Hogan when he did it. So it was like he was lost. Like fuck, I don't want to give this away, but I don't know how to say it. Right. Like, he was just totally selling Hogan, and and so at the end of the day, I didn't actually, like I said, watch the match. I actually planned on finishing it, but when he, it was because Luger came out to help him, and he told Luger, "If you did." I'm going to kick your ass. And then Luger came out to help him. He stopped Luger and then hit Hogan with what Luger was going to hit him with, right? Mm-hmm. And then won the belt. For the ninth time. Oh, we skipped something. What? The, f- the fucking match of the millennium. Brothers versus brothers. The Wyndhams versus the Huffmans. The return of Booker T to Harlem Heat. That 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 doesn't need to be talked match. about. That Can don't need to be talked about. Walker wasn't into it from start to finish. They didn't even match. Mm-hmm. It was bad. I felt bad for Booker. No, because Booker. Uh, I'll say this: we could put a bow on this. Booker, you know, in '98, when you're trying to prop him up as the television champion, when you're propping him up maybe to become the U.S. champion, and then you pigeonhole him. With Harlem Heat, because again, it's a it's a tried and true formula that works. I'm not saying that Booker T might have been pissed, but again, you could see the I'm not gonna say professional jealousy, but maybe there's some kind of business friction between Booker T and Stevie Ray because Booker T was going this way, Stevie Ray. Well, Stevie was Ray was coming Marty. Stevie Ray was Marty. Fucking anchor is what he was. Right, but I'm just saying, but Booker T felt he was becoming the Shawn Michaels and Stevie Ray was becoming the Marty and Booker T was seeing something bigger and, of course, he got the bigger opportunities. He got the bigger platform. He was right. Maybe in his mind, he was right. But that match, I didn't want to talk about it because of one reason and one reason only. It just felt like you were going to the well again. That's what, in my humble opinion, and the tag team division just was, I like the West Texas Rednecks. But now I put the bow on that. So now let's go back to Sting. It just, you know, again, it worked. It might sound good on paper. It might, you write it down, TW. I'm like, I'm writing gold here. I'm going to, you know, reinvent the wheel and start a buzz with one of my biggest baby faces turning heel. This ain't Hogan. This ain't Hogan of 96. Because people wanted that. They needed that. But Sting is Ricky Steamo. Nobody wants that. I'm going to give you another example of people not wanting Sting to be a heel, and that's TNA Impact Wrestling. Main Event Mafia. Does that ring a bell, TW? I know, I know you don't watch Impact Wrestling weekly. No, I watch but, that stuff. But that was Sting, too, in a heelish faction with Kurt Angle and Kevin Nash and Scott Steiner. But guess who they were cheering in the Main Event Mafia? Sting. And Sting was trying to be a little heelish himself. It just... People don't want to boo Sting, and Sting just doesn't have. He lost any heelish under underlings, undertones, or if you will, just like Ricky Steamboat. And even if Ricky Steamboat could try to be a heel, you could put a beard on Ricky Steamboat. Nobody's gonna fucking Richard Blunt. 
You can't boo him. You can't boo Steamboat, and you can't boo Sting. You can't reinvent the wheel. That's you what I'm trying to say. You can't boo Daniel Bryan. Hmm? And you can't boo Daniel Bryan. No, you can boo Daniel. I think... It don't last. Well, yeah, it don't last, but you, you can boo it. It does work. It does work for Daniel Bryan to boo him. So what say you, T.W.? Let's put a bow on this thing. I, I, I 100% agree. Here, here's what I'm going to compare it to. My, my bow, if you will. Okay. We all agree WWE dropped the ball with Hogan versus Flair. Right. We can all agree WCW picked that ball up and fucking buried it 700 fucking feet into the earth because they fucking went to it over and over and over again. And Sting and Hogan feel that way, and they didn't even do it that many times. And 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 face face never works. Look at Hogan Warrior. One of the reasons why Warrior didn't get a fair shake is because he had to beat fucking Hogan to take the mantle. Which yeah, half the crowd liked it, but the other half was like, no, right? You should have yeah. had. Ho but look what they did. They learn their lesson. Sure did. Because yeah. did Hogan take it back from the Warrior? No. They got old transition man Sergeant Slaughter. By having Macho Man fucking screw the warrior, and then Hogan's the American hero, fucking wins the belt back. Hogan looks like the fucking babyface. Hogan probably knew what the fuck he was doing then, too. And then Macho Man can't becomes the most hated guy because he screwed the warrior, and that warrior never got another crack at it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that, where just face-face doesn't work, heel-heel doesn't work, and Sting as a heel doesn't work. Luger is almost... Lost potential. How's that? Because of right. how many times they put him in this fucking position. And we can't blame it all on NWA, WCW, because fucking Vince did it too. So everybody just puts Luger in this fucking, he's the guy that can't be trusted, even when it ends up being, this time it ended up being, yes, he can't be trusted. But WWF, he was never the one. They were trying to redeem him, but his history fucking preceded him. So he didn't. It didn't work. And so I think Luger never got to be... What he could have been if he didn't have all those fucking flip-flops. A lot of people say it about Big Show, but I don't think mm -hmm. Big Show is ever going to be that anyway because Big Show is more of an attraction than a fucking star, if that makes any sense. Lex was oh. a fucking star. Big he Show flip-flops too much. He, he Big Show flip-flops weekly. Lex right. Luger flip-flops I don't think it stops him from, from receiving his potential of being on the level of a Hogan Warrior Sting because I don't think he ever had it in him to be on a level of a Hogan Warrior. He's more like Andre's not on that level, and that's not knocking Andre. They're just right. an attraction. They're not a star. Lex was a fucking star that this type of shit is the reason he never, ever got to be the star because everybody was waiting for him to turn. I think they've done it to Randy Orton. Randy Orton, right when he gets to the point where he's the fucking most popular guy in the building, they fucking turn a bad guy. And then people are like, ah, fuck that guy. So every time he turns babyface again, less people like him because they're afraid they're going to get burned again. And, and, and you, want to, you want to know the kicker, TW? Now this happens, right? Sting mm -hmm. is now full-fledged heel. He, he's, he's aligned with Luger. Guess what the war is? Sting and Luger versus Hogan and Bret Hart. So what are you trying to say? Again, you're going to the well of your big horses. You basically got WWF versus WCW or NWA. Yeah, either either way you want to talk about, you, you talk about your originals, your WCW originals and your WWE originals, so you could talk about that. Or you could talk about legends against, because the funniest, 
here's the kicker because I remember the I remember the promo that Sting and Luger did the Monday after this pay per view, and then let's put and then we'll cut this podcast off. Sting and Luger were pissed of people like Hogan and, and Hart. You know why, T.W.? Why? Because they never passed the torch to them. Now, there is some truth to that, but it's not Hogan and Hart. It was Flair. Flair didn't pass what? the torch fully to Sting. Lex might, might have a beef with Hart Luger. and WWF because they put the belt on Brett instead of Lex, but, mm-hmm. but Hogan not passing it to them is hogwash. I know. I'm just giving you the reasoning for the storyline, which makes you no sense at all. I bet you, I wouldn't doubt if original plans would have been Hogan and Flair versus Lex and Sting, which you know what would have been better? Luger and Brett versus Flair and Hogan, because mm-hmm. those are the two guys that legit got held back by the two guys. Right. You know, the respective promotion, but that's good to know, because now you're going to make me watch that night show. One thing I, I might probably said this a million times, one thing I've always wanted to do was go back and start watching a Nitro or Raw at the Before start pay-per-view. of an angle mm-hmm. and then watch the Nitros, the Thunders, the Nitros, the Thunders, and then the pay-per-view and see if I enjoy that particular feud, if you will. Not the whole fucking show, like those mm-hmm. two people specifically when it ignites, right? But it would be a right. lot of effort because you'd have to know when the matches are, when the run-ins are, when the promos are. Um, so you're almost just better off watching the whole fucking Nitro. And then you get the idea to then go, oh, oh I'll watch this feud now because it started at the end of this one. I'll watch that feud or whatever. But, but yeah, I'm going to go watch that Sting and Lex promo and the crop right. I so, so So, TW, one more question, then we'll give out the outros because it's been a while since we've done that too. But a pay-per-view grade, if you will, for Fall Brawl. And I'm going to give this the big D. Not my D, but a big, fat D. If it was a dude sliding your DMs, then it would get your D. But I'm going to agree with you. I was going to say C- minus because I felt a D coming from you. I'll say D+. And and the plus is because of Sid and Benoit um, Mm -hmm. and Rick and and Saturn. I I did like both of those two matches. So... I'd say C minus. I'm gonna give it a C minus. Hey, this is your your opinion. Your opinion. I give it the D. I will because otherwise it's a fucking miserable E, right? Because nothing hit for me other than those two matches, Um, and and everything else. It's just like we said at the beginning of this. It's just hodgepodge. It's just fucking throw some shit in the fucking lotto ball and fucking crank it. Let's see what we pull out. And and it's just it's sad, man. It's like. A lot of times we go back and watch something, and, it, and it's, uh, and by the way, by, by no means do I feel like anybody's, like, just there to get a check, other than, like I said, I felt like Shane wasn't his usual Shane in the promo that I watched with him, but the match, he gave it his all, so I think guys were out there giving it what they got, but they weren't given a lot to work with. Very debatable, but anyway, that closes... <laughs> That closes the fall season premiere of the PWR podcast here at the PWSL Networks on the YouTubes and the Homie Media Group at PileBean.com. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. Obviously, we are the Pro Wrestling Reflection at PW Reflection on the Twitter. Um, I heard from my good man JB today, so I'm going to give you his at the P1JB. 
tweet that motherfucker and tell him to come on the show uh, at Big Ray Hernandez, who just went on an awesome trip and hung out with the Big Vito brand, uh, Vito and his wife, Noel. So you can hit them up on bigvitobrand.wixsite.com or patreon.com backslash the Big Vito brand. Um, I'm at Tommy Wonder 19 on both Instagram and Twitter or at the Tommy Wonder on also Twitter or TikTok. Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, Snapchat's number wonder, and then you can also see us on the Hameen Media Group at Podbean.com. Not see us, but hear us on there. And uh, then Dum Dum Doing an Idiot, we got some stuff lined up. We might be doing it soon. My kids are back in school, so I got a lot more free time where I can go out and do stuff and wreck my stomach. Nice, nice. And you can follow me on my Twitter at PWSOPRF, that's PWSOPROF. And if this gets uploaded by 8-track Brown, the dirtiest of the city. This will be available on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. Follow my brothers in arms, Billy Ray Valentine at Obi-Wan You Know Me, and of course, the king of the reactions, 8-track Brown, at 8-track Brown. That's the number 8, T-R-A-C Brown. What are we going to do next week, TW? We might do episodic. We might do rivalries. We might do a spotlight. We might do a movie. We might do a what if, or we might do an untapped potential. But I'll keep you on your toes to the 12 that remain so loyal and to TW. <laughs> keep you on your toes. And with that being said, I'm the professor. That's Mr. Dum Dum Doer, idiot, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative. Tommy Wanda saying good night, and we will see ya next time here at the PWR podcast here at the PWSL Networks on the YouTubes. Peace! Woo! Did my screen come back or no? <laughs> <laughs>